Good morning, everyone. This is Amy Winslow. Um, I'm going to mute every, unmute everybody so we can make sure that y'all can hear me. Hello. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Morning, Amy. Good morning. Morning. Good morning. We have people. Oh, good morning. We have people from all over. Um, sorry for being a few minutes late, but we are in the midst of finishing some packaging that's going to Walmart Canada, and it, it has to be finished by 5 o'clock. So we've, we've been in a, a bit of a very focused time today. So um, today's call is actually a, a little bit of a slice of life from our offices. Good morning. So, um, so um, I'm very excited. I'm, very I'm going to put gonna everybody put every on mute so that we've got the cleanest recording because I know we get a little bit of feedback from speakerphones and things. And we're going to dive right in because uh, today, like I said, we are in a gorgeously paced day of uh, getting things ready to go out the door. And I'm so crazy excited. And I want to share a few things that will streamline people's process because this comes up pretty consistently about uh, packaging, particularly with startup products that are looking to expand their sales really quickly or go from very small production runs into very large uh, accounts like Walmart and Target and CVS and, and Rite Aid and some of the other people where we get products into and moving. For With all of that said, um, I just want to take a minute and welcome everybody. Wow, we've got a whole bunch of people popping in today. So if you're over on the webcast and you could type something in the Q&A box for me so that I can see that you can hear me, that would be awesome. I'm going to run through three points and a bonus uh, piece here. And then I'm going to take a few questions. And so today we're we're doing the you know clear questions, and I'm going to have to leave pretty much right at 11:35, so um, we can get onto some of the things from uh, for, for from the rest of the day. Anyway, for everybody who's new to the calls, I'm Amy Wenslow. Welcome. I know we have a bunch of people joining us from a weekend event. Welcome. Very fortunate to to be meeting you, and um, there will be more. For everybody who's hearing this, we are at about 600 people that are on the list for these calls and, and come and check in. So if you know anybody else that they should be serving, please feel free to direct them to our website. Um, and we always post on our Facebook page, too, for opting into the calls. The website is products, P-R-O-D-U-C-T-S-2, which is T-O, profits, P-R-O-F-I-T-S dot com. These calls are not any form of legal advice. They're a big disclaimer. And we are, I work a lot with products that go to very large volume retailers, very large accounts. And I've been doing it for a long time. Um, I'm one of the speakers for the Patent and Trademark Office, and so I just want to give you the opportunity to ask questions from a perspective of what do you need to move you into momentum 
or further along in your path. So I will leave time for questions. I'm going to do this piece of content first. When you ask your questions, please keep in mind that if you divulge your magic super secret sauce, um, you may void your rights to patent if you haven't already filed it. Okay, so everybody, grab your pens. We are diving in. Here's the deal. With packaging, packaging will make or break your product. It's in the landscape of all things being equal about your product and, and a competitor's or relatively equal or people even thinking that they're equal. Whoever has the better packaging, better marketing, better messaging will win the sales. Okay? If, if the prices are about the same, the product features are about the same, those things. Whoever has the brand and the marketing language and the packaging that resonates the most with their market will probably win. Okay? We've seen it across the board. So it's very important that you pay attention to this. Some of the biggest mistakes that I see are related to these three items. Okay? The biggest delays um, and amount of delay, drama, upset, um, frustration for everybody. Okay? So number one, one, the first thing that people usually miss about doing high-quality packaging is having great photos that are high-resolution, okay? So please write this down, high-resolution photos. That does not mean screenshots from your website. They will not work for any sort of large print. You need high-resolution. By high-resolution, I mean bordering on file sizes that make it fail through email, okay? You, you probably are going to have to use Dropbox or Box or you send it or some service like that if you're trying to email high-resolution photos around. Or you're going to have to zip the files or something. Your photographer is going to have to, to create a gallery or something like that. But if your files just fly through email and they're tiny, you know, like, tiny, 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 under a meg kind of files, they are inadequate for print, okay? <clears throat> Your other issue with photos is uh, the lighting. I see a lot of photos where somebody's hand is in front of the product or their arm comes across the front of the shot or the lighting has a shadow right across the product or some funky shadow coming off the product. And we have to do a lot of Photoshop to make those photos work. So having good high-resolution photos opens up a lot of creative opportunity with your packaging. Okay. The second thing that is usually missed with packaging that I see from early-stage companies particularly is good benefit-focused text. Okay. So it's really cool that your product may have some fancy pants zipper on it or some some sort of, you know, great little whiz-bang graphic on the side. But you have to be able to tell people in very short sentences, very few words, why that is important to them and what it gives them. You can be all proud of it, 
and want to promote that till the cows come home, but quite frankly, you being proud of that feature is not necessarily going to sell it to your market. What will sell it is them understanding a benefit of that feature, okay? So lists of, well, you know, it takes this size light bulb and it does that, you know, it's a three-stage switch and it takes this size light bulb, for example, is not going to give you that. You would say something like three-stage switch allows you to create the ambiance in your living room or allows you to adjust the lighting to fit your mood. That's more what people want. That's why they want a three-stage light. So good benefit-focused text. The third one and the one that, quite frankly, we have been struggling with this morning and over the past week, actually, has been compliance issues slash compatibility data systems, okay? Compliance issues are things like what warnings should be on the package for the Consumer Product Safety Commission government agency compliance, okay? Um, if you're selling in something like Canada, you're looking at Health Canada agency requirements. And the requirements are different based on the kind of product, the category of it, and sometimes even what it's made out of. Um, so you want to look at compliance issues. This has been fascinating with this one. We, we actually addressed it, uh, gosh, probably a month ago already, um, because the name of the product triggered a whole bunch of standards and testing and all kinds of requirements like that that the product didn't really have to do. So we actually had to rename the product in the process of creating the packaging. Okay, because of a compliance issue. And the only reason we discovered it was because we were looking at the warnings and it, it triggered a waterfall effect. So that created a delay in the project. Okay? Um, the format of barcodes is another compliance slash compatibility issue. Um, barcodes come in a lot of different formats. If you are selling product only in the U.S., um, it's probably a UPC, you know, very straight up, 12-digit kind of number. You're all good. There's a bunch of numbers, and there's one that the system generates. It's called a check digit. We could get very technical on this. We don't need to. When you sell outside of the U.S., there are some new number formats, or relatively new, um, they used to be called EAN numbers. Now they're being called G1014s, but there's also G1012s. So formatting of the number in the data system determines what the little barcode line graphic looks like. Okay, And you, you have a fulfillment house that's um, got your UPC numbers, and if you're doing electronic ordering with the retailer, the retailer has an electronic system that has to match, okay? Or when the retailer tries to order the product, your fulfillment center is going to say, we don't know what that is, okay? So it's very important when you're setting up new item sheets that you set up numbers that are the right formats. And most of those new item creation sheets actually have formatting directions in it or formulations or they'll auto-format some things. And they usually have some sort of verification 
built into the template that comes from the retailer. And they will tell you if your number doesn't work. Well, in this case, we had our client, she, she was the one responsible for filling out that data, and she didn't notice that there was a little thing at the top in red that said, items not vowed, which means that the format of numbers that she was giving was not what they needed to be, which we, we discovered when we were looking at it to actually create the little graphic barcode, okay? So this is really important because we've been back and forth multiple days. It's taken over a week to try and get this resolved. It's not a, a big deal necessarily, but figuring out where the problem was is, is a problem, okay? Um, as of a half an hour ago, I still cannot generate the right barcodes, and we need to have the artwork finished by the end of the day. And this, this has been something that we've raised for a week. So um, it, it's a problem, okay? So pay attention to the format of barcodes that a retailer is requesting, you know, what they need, whether they're inside the U.S. or outside the U.S. can change the, the type of barcode. And... Um, I know it sounds very technical and it sounds boring, but it is the part that will prevent the order from being able to be given to you. So it's the part that, part of what's related to your money, okay? Um, and I happen to think the parts related to your money are sexy. So uh, pay attention to this one. And then once you have to make sure that everybody's got the same information and that it looks the same. And so somebody's got to be cross-checking this. And it's probably going to be you if you're a startup business and you're a small team of under about four or five people. It's probably going to be you or the person sitting next to you. And if you're the leader of the company, you need to make sure it's right. Whether they're doing it or you're doing you need to make sure that the money is going to be able to come in on your orders, okay, and that the orders can go out on time. So the last thing that's kind of our little bonus one the other thing that people frequently miss when they want to go from short, small runs to large volume is the product liability insurance, okay? Product liability insurance protects you in the event that something goes wrong and somebody uses your product in a, in a way that um, it's not intended or they get harmed by it because you forgot to warn them about something. Um, or you didn't realize you needed warnings about something, product liability insurance um, limits cost different amounts of money. It, it's pricey depending on your standards of what pricey is, but you know you could be looking at needing a one, two, or three million dollar policy depending on the the account that you're selling to. It varies, um, and you pay for different levels of coverage. Now. The reason I mentioned the product liability insurance in relationship to packaging is because the thing about the warnings, okay, warnings and something called foreseeable misuse. Um, foreseeable misuse is, well, you should have known to warn them to not do that silly thing that they might have done, okay? So, for example, um, Walmart, or not Walmart, McDonald's with the warning on the side of the label, coffee is hot. Well, that came after the lawsuit, quite famous actually, where the woman uh, put the coffee, well, while she was driving, she put hot coffee between her knees and then was driving and got burned. 
Um, so the product liability insurance helps limit your company's risk in the event of frivolous lawsuits, and also um, they will require you usually to have appropriate warnings on your packaging. Okay, so there's a real technical thing, but these things delay your packaging production. You know, not having the right language text particularly if you're going to go through translation and you have to go through um, multiple versions of the language, you want to have as few revisions as possible when you're dealing with translation files because the translation files, it, the complexity of the project just escalates. Okay, So good benefit-focused text helps you and have that done before you go into translation. So I feel like I did a little bit of lightning round today, but... Um, if, you've got, if you're on the phone line and you have a question, press star 2 to raise your hand, and that will um, let me know that you've got one. If you're on the webcast, which I see we have a bunch of people coming in over there, um, you can type a question in the Q&A box, and, and I'll see that. So uh, thanks for, for letting me know that you can hear us over there. Um, and with that, I'm going to jump back over to the uh, phone lines and see if anybody's got a question. Okay. So uh, somebody's asking me to recap. Okay. So number one, high-res photos that are in good lighting, okay, that, and I mean high-res, high-res, huge file. Think you want big files that are detailed. Um, number two was good benefit-focused text. So craft all your messages. Um, be concise with those as well because you do have space limitations because you are working with packaging. Three, compliance issues or any compatibility with um, data systems. So that would be things like format of barcodes, warnings that should be on there. Um, you know, you'd be looking for, oh, do you have your country of origin and is the barcode scannable? That's a requirement before you ship. Um, so compliance issues and compatibility with systems is number three. And then the fourth bonus thing is product liability insurance, okay, because it does relate to the warnings and other legal stuff that you need to put on the packaging, okay? So those are the four. I'm going to go back over to our phone line real quick. No questions today? Wow. Press start two to raise your hand if you've got one. And if you are in the stage where you're going, okay, how do I handle all of these things? And how do I make sure that it's all getting done? You can ask me some questions about that as well. Um, let me go over to our webcast, see if we've got any questions there. Um, okay, so Dorothea, uh, do different industries have different color schemes how does one decide, and is there material to read regarding this? Um, it's not so much that industries have different colors. It's that products and psychology and color all relate. Color has an impact on our psychology and how we feel, and so some products want to evoke a certain feeling, so they will tend to go to certain colors. Also, um, women tend to, to resonate with certain colors and men tend to resonate with other ones. 
So if your target market is primarily female, then you might go to a different color scheme. You might be using more pastels. Um, purple is always big with women. Pink, really always big, especially in a younger market with, with women and girls. Um, when I say younger market, pink is performs really well for like the under 25 set. Um, and then blue is a high trust color. So there's a lot of different areas of psychology around color, okay? So it's not so much the industry. How do you decide? You decide based on the target market that you want to serve and what your product is about and how you want people to feel when they look at your product. The other consideration is whether or not a lot of competitors already have that color kind of locked up. If you notice, Walmart does not try and do red. That's because Target is is known for the big red bullseye. So if you see red in a major retailer, you're, you're kind of tending to think Target, okay? Um, so Walmart has gone with a cool blue and a warm yellow, okay? So you can see things like that. You want to create a little bit of contrast sometimes so that you have, your packaging has a little bit of energy to it. Um, there is a ton of material about color psychology, and that's really what you would be looking at. You could just Google and you'll find a ton of stuff, um, some, some good, some bad, but it's there. Um, so let me see if there's another question on our webcast. Great. So, Doris, I hope that uh, answers your question. Sorry, I, I always see your email address, and it says Dorothea. So um, with that, I'm going to go over to our phone line. You can press star 2. That will raise your hand. Um, I know we had a question from Bob, but looks like maybe he's that he's answered it, or we, we've gotten that answered. Bob, I'm going to open up your line and just make sure that you're you don't have a question here. Hi, Bob. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Did you have a question? Yeah, I do. The uh, product liability insurance is that typically like a percentage of the volume that you're doing, or how, any clue how they base the the uh, rates or yeah, um, gosh, I don't remember the whole formula. It has to do with how much liability you need to carry, number one. So whether it's a million-dollar coverage or two or three. Um, and different retailers will require different amounts of coverage that way. And usually when you're getting your product liability insurance set up, the agent asks you a whole series of questions. It's related to what kind of product it is. You know, if you're dealing with something that goes on, a moving vehicle and it's part of the brake system or something, then you might see higher rates because your liability is a lot higher on that. If there's something where there's a potential loss of life is a, is a big area where you see liability go up, okay, the okay. price for it. So the best thing is to talk to your agent. Okay. Have you heard what is sort of standard fare for uh – like are big box stores two million or you know smaller retailers less? Have you ever heard any kind of ranges, or does it just vary? Most of the mom and pop places don't even you know think to ask you about it. Um, I think it's important for you to consider though, because quite frankly, it protects your business in the event that somebody does something silly, um, sure. and and or you know there's. 
There's things like errors and omissions insurance, um, but that's usually more related to business services. Um, so with retailers, you're going to re most likely for anybody volume, you're going to be required for at least a million. Usually it's going to be more like two. Okay. And depending on your product and how much of it they expect to move, they may require more because of the number of claims that you may be seeing. Okay. So it's it's a per claim as well as total volume of claims. Okay? All right. Sounds good. Thanks. Sure. You're welcome. I'm going to mute your line for your privacy. If anybody else has a question related to packaging or anything else about your product, you can press star 2 to raise your hand. Um, the good benefit-focused text, nobody's asked about that. Come on. That's one of the big ones that actually drives sales. So uh, we could definitely have a conversation about it. I've got about time for probably one, maybe two more questions if anybody's got it, and then I've got to go on to our artwork. So let's see. Um, we've got a call from Florida. Your number ends in 3717. Hi, Bear. Who's this? Hi. Hi, Amy. It's Pam French. I thought that might be you, ma'am. Uh, what's How your question you? today? Well, I I missed all of your calls because I was on the other line, but um, so I didn't get to hear what you said, but I do have a question about my product and packaging my product because sure. I what I've been doing is just placing a card in the front pocket that says a little bit about the product. But I just got a um I just got approved with Camping World and they're wanting to order four hundred and I'm thinking should I should I really be having my manufacturer do my packaging and should I keep with that or you know, I found that putting it in a box, um, women wanna feel it, hold it, even stick their phone in and make sure it fits, stuff like that. So putting it in a box I don't think is an option, but I just thought I would ask your advice. Yeah. Um, so where does Camping World want to merchandise it on the, the store floor? I don't know. That's one thing we didn't get that far, and I, I just realized, you know, I really don't have a point of purchase display. Um, mm -hmm. some, some of my boutiques, they will either hang them, um, on a mannequin, or they will just hang them on the end of a rack, you know, and then some of them keep the straps tucked in and um, just have them, like, in a box or something like that. I really haven't had a lot of people ask me for the point-of-purchase display besides Walgreens, and then, then they ended up throwing them out. <laughs> so they changed right. and didn't so, Yeah. Yeah, really you don't want to have to create point-of-purchase displays. For anybody who's listening who doesn't know what a point-of-purchase display is, that's a cardboard box of some variety. Sometimes they're acrylic stands. There's a bunch of different options. You know, they could ask you for wire racks, those kind of things. So you really don't want to have to put in that expense if you don't need to. But number one, I would ask where they're thinking on the show, uh, on the store flow they want your product to be um, because that will determine the format of packaging. If I were in your shoes, I would tell them that I, I think it does best up front by the registers. Uh -huh. <laughs> you know, for Camping World, I would go for front register space. Um, uh -huh. You probably are going to need to do something along the lines of a hang tag 
that's an option you didn't mention, you should not right. put your product in a box. A box is wrong for you. Okay. I wouldn't even recommend yeah. putting yours in a poly bag. Right. So, I, I don't. I don't put, I take them, they come in a poly bag, and I take every one of them out of the poly bag, which is a royal pain. But, right. yeah, they, they don't sell in a poly bag. Right. So, you know, the, the strap thing, you know, you probably have something where you could have the manufacturer um, do a, a small clear tie of some variety or a little, you know, black twist tie or something so that the strap's really short and uh-huh. coil right. the extra strap inside the pouch uh-huh. or rubber okay. band it together at the top or something. So when when everybody is thinking about packaging, it's important to think about the context of where it's going to be viewed and what the packaging needs to do because the packaging has to replace everything you say when you're selling it live. Having a card tucked in the in the front pocket is not going to do that. Okay, well, I meant the, the card that was tucked into the po- front pocket actually mm-hmm. stuck out enough for you to read everything that had the information. I stick it in. I have the bottom blank. Got it. So what's tucked in is blank, but then the top on the front and back, I try to put as many, you know, like I put uh, cell phone purse, um, no po- no purse, no pockets, no problem, and then I, I have a photo with someone wearing it. And I'm, and you know, I I just made all this up myself, so I'm wondering if mm-hmm. if this is even good enough, you know. Well, you know, for, you're doing something right because Camping World's interested, right? You know, well, they're, they're product. Improved, right? So yeah. I would look at how does how is my product attaching to the tag for one thing, um, and do I think that's effective? And then I would find out from Camping World where the heck they want this thing right, so okay. you know how much space you have to work with mm-hmm. um, yeah. and whether okay. it needs to be something that hangs on a hook or, what, like, what are they thinking? Where would they like to see it? But I would make the, a very proactive recommendation okay. about where yeah. you think it should be. Right. You know, that's one of the things my my worst thing is that I am afraid to ask questions because I don't want to look like I don't know what I'm doing, which I sometimes I don't, but I, I guess I need to not be afraid to ask them and look like I don't know what I'm doing. Well, you just, you have to phrase the question appropriately, okay? Because there are some questions that are going to make you sound new, right? And it would be like, oh my gosh, I'm so excited, you know, oh, well, I was wondering where you see the product going in the store. Is is not a very right. it's an okay question, you know. That's better right. than going uh it's better than flying blind and designing right. wrong. You know, and retailers actually respect somebody who goes, "You know what? I want to make sure that that the package format that we're creating is the best for your store." We find that it does really well up by the register. Where do you want to see it in this location? Okay. Okay. Do you hear how that's that's actually very confident? Right, right, right. It's like, and most retailers appreciate it. They're like, oh, they're double-checking things. Okay, cool. You know, like this, this problem that we had with these barcodes, you know, it's like, do I want to be the one raising the red flag that I think there's a data problem? No. Is it the right thing for me to do? Well, yes, because I can't create the barcode and deliver on the product 
you know, like for our client, I can't deliver the print files because I can't get the barcode right. Right. And if, you know, and so that meant that Walmart needed to be called. You know, the client had to call Walmart and change some data set up, you know, a few days before the launch. Hmm. Yeah. But I would rather they do that than than they than Walmart think that they can order the product and have that break in the fulfillment house, that connection. Right. You know, it's better to look proactive like you're just checking the last details than to have it go okay. wrong, right? Right. Okay, great. I so will. That's, I will. that's what I would say about this one. <laughs> but double-check okay. where they want it before you do things. And then, you know, I mean, we're available to do some of this kind of work, um, and we've got a lot in this upcoming training about packaging and about selling and about the sales presentations and all that stuff. That will be coming out soon, I promise. Great. Thank you for your question. Does that help you? Did did, it complete? Yeah, definitely. It it gave me the confidence to even reach out to them and and get there, you know, realize that I need to ask them that. I need to find out that that's important to know before I decide, you know, if I need to make any changes. Absolutely. And they're not going to be upset by it. You're not going to. Yeah. Here's the fear that usually is underlying that for most people when it comes up. I don't know if this is true for you. There is nothing like that that you are going to ask them that is going to make the sale go away. Okay. Right. Yeah. Because okay. usually the fear about not wanting to look new or something like that is the not wanting to mess it up and have the sale go away. Oh, right. And have the opportunity close. Is that what's under it? Oh, yeah, of course, ultimately, yeah. (laughs) You know, like, let's be true, right? You and and I and, you know, the multitudes of people listening to it, you know, we're, like, that's human wiring, okay? We don't like to think that, oh, my God, we have this great opportunity and it's going to close. Right. Because I, I mess it up or something. There are some things that, yeah, that can happen with. But asking the question the way that I phrased it is not one of them. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. So excited that you're interested. And here's the here's the way to do it. So excited that you're interested in carrying our product. That's awesome. We see that it does really well up by the front of the register. I would love to know where you see this doing best in your store. Okay. All right. Yep. Great. You're welcome. <laughs> Did you have any other questions, people question, asking questions? Um, I think we're complete with everybody. Um, if anybody's got one last question, you can press star 2 to raise your hand. Pam, we are putting recordings of some of these calls up on our blog. So okay. you can go to productstoprofits.com slash blog. It usually takes Lynette about a week to post them because she writes a little article for it too. Okay? Okay, great. I did have one more question if you if you don't have someone else waiting. Um, Bob has popped back up. He has another question, but let's answer yours first, and then I've got to – I'll answer these last two. So okay. what's up? Um, have you ever heard of Retail Universe? And if you so, what do you know about it? Retail Universe or University? Yeah. 
um, it was Retail Universe, and it was through the SPS Commerce um, EDI system. Hmm. It was part of that, and I just, I, it, it looked like a place where you could advertise what products that you have, and that other huge buyers, and they're in that EDI system would see your product. So I just if you haven't heard of it, I'll do a lot more research. I just thought while I had you on the phone I would see if you had ever heard of it. It's I in, haven't you know, Where is it? Um it's like in the SPS Commerce, which is an EDI system, electronic data system that the camping world uh-huh. wants me to be a part of to do my invoicing and, and ordering and stuff. Okay, so um if if you want, I've written it down, and later this week when we're past these, the, the couple things that we've got going, um, I'll just see if I can take a look because that sounds interesting. I like to stay okay. current on everything, but there's so many things that evolve so quickly. Right. Um, okay. So I will uh, I'll do your research, and I'll see if I can at least uh, make a few minutes and take a look, Okay. Okay, great. Thank you. I'll look forward to that. I'll look to you looking you're, at that. Thanks a lot, Amy. You're, you're welcome. Thank you so much. And, Pam, thank you for, for all the Facebook love that you give us. I really appreciate it. Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. You know, everybody, Pam is, like, one of our biggest supporters on Facebook. She's awesome. So, And I share because I'm totally honest. It's like, you know, lifesaver. You know, sometimes it's, you know, I always have – get an answer and I always get help and it's 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 priceless. Oh, thank you. That's so sweet. That's so sweet. Can I actually take that little piece of recording that you just said and put it on our website? Absolutely. Okay, for everybody. Awesome. Great answer, Pam, but did you notice what I just did, everybody? That's how you ask for a testimonial. <laughs> Somebody was saying something nice. We happen to have a recording going. Guess what? It's a testimonial. Right. <laughs> See, and it was easy, right? Oh, yeah, it was easy. <laughs> so, okay. It is true. It is very true. So, you know, it's it's been a huge help. So I'm glad, oh, too. Awesome. Awesome. Well, we, we're going to do this little social share thing. It'll probably be, oh, towards the end of April or something like that. But um, we've got a lot going on. We've been selected as an intuit small business that they're going to feature so they're doing an entire day's worth of filming here in the office with us so oh, wow. you know, nice yeah that's it's a busy week but it's good <laughs> so good. okay well i'm going to mute your line for your privacy and bob we're going to come back over to you hey there bob Hello, thanks for coming in back to me um yeah. congratulations on your recent successes too that's pretty exciting stuff Thank you. So, yeah, it's it's pretty awesome. And that's actually done through the same technique that I gave out in the PR call that I did a few times back. So I think right. that's up on our um, website. So. And, you know, I was just looking at the email you sent me, and I don't see your website on here anywhere. Is it on here somewhere? Huh, huh that's really fascinating. Um, <laughs> it's probably... <Sorry. laughs> Sorry. No, it's all oh. good. Thanks. Um it's no. products P R O D U C T S two, which is T O 
profits, P-R-O-F-I-T-S dot com. And if you're looking for the blog, just add slash blog at the end of that. Okay, cool. Um, um, one of the reasons I have a It's the same oh, as the email address. Okay, okay perfect. All right, great, appreciate it. Um, one of the questions I had was for POP, I've got a guy who's willing to put our product in when we get ready to go here shortly, and he's recommending that I do put POP in there. Um, is there a, you know, I look at it and I think, well, y'all have to spend some money, but if it helps you sell a lot more product, then it might be worth it. Is there some point where you say there's a certain percentage should be spent on those kind of things or a percentage of volume sales or how do you ever make that decision to when to do it or when not to? So first off, you got to take into context who's the guy asking you for it. For everybody who's listening, um, when what Bob is talking about is putting it, when you say, you know, put in a POP, that means put in the point of purchase display. Okay, so that's the whole phrase of it. So everybody's with us in this conversation. Um, so how you evaluate whether or not it's time to do a point of purchase display depends on the volume that you expect that store to be able to do, the amount of product you can put in the point of purchase, you know, where they're going to put it on the floor. Um, is the guy who's asking you for that a sales rep? No, he's the owner of the store. How many stores does he have? Well, they did have a bunch, but he can get me into 17 other uh, hardware, Ace Hardware, so uh, he has one, but uh, he can get me in a lot more. Um, yes, and he hasn't done that yet. So. Well, I'm not ready. Yeah, I'm not ready to go to market yet. I'm probably a few weeks out still. Okay, well, a few weeks is not long for designing a point of purchase display. So pay attention to your timeline. I mean, you could have it be a two-month timeline for a point of purchase. That's good. That's right. custom to your product that has, you know, printing for a header or something like that. Um, and that's if you have your decisions made, like how many pieces of what and what the package is that goes inside the point of purchase display. So I see this a lot of, a lot of times. People think, oh, well, you know, I'm just going to do a display. You have to get the package for the individuals right first, and then you design the display around that. So there's a couple samples that are going to probably need to go back and forth between you and who's ever creating your point of purchase display. So you've got shipping time in there. So you, I would plan two months for a POP. I'd rather okay. tell you that and have you, have it take less time. But if you're a few weeks out from launching in that account, you probably are going to be really tight for getting a POP. Okay. So first, so that's the first thing. You know, I wouldn't commit before I knew my timeline on that. Um, and then the second thing would be, again, where does he see this going? Because your point of purchase design depends on where in the store it's going to be. Because you can't do... Like, it, what? I, I think I can get the front door. Okay. So does he want a floor-standing model, or is it a countertop model? Because so they're different. Pallet. Correct. 
Yeah, and so I would look at, you know, okay, with the format of the point of purchase, the price that it's going to cost to for the actual unit every time you ship it in, and usually a floor standing model, you know, it's maybe there's a replacement section for the top that comes loaded the product, but the base is always there, or so there's some logistics things about is this something that you you create and you ship to the store one time and they refill the product? That's one format That's what of I would POP. Be, yeah. I would just decide, okay, you know, how much can the price of my product bear because it should be somewhat built into the price of the product as part of your costing for that store to buy a particular program of merchandise, meaning, you know, one style, six units of it, another style, six units of that, third style, six units of that. So you got 18 units in something and the, the point of purchase display, and it's this much. Or you cr- construct your costing or your pricing with them so that they have to, you know, your point of purchase holds X number of units, and the point of purchase display is this much money. And they'll probably ask you for the first one free at least. And then be aware that stores typically really beat those things up and frequently throw them away and don't implement them well. So put implementation instructions in the box with it, okay? Okay, sounds good. (laughs) Sorry, that was a little lightning round, wasn't it? That's, that's how it's rolling today. <laughs> okay. So did that take care of it? Yeah, that helped. Thank you. You're welcome. So I'm going to mute your line for your privacy. Um, everybody, thank you so much. I'm going to open up the line so you can all say goodbye if you'd like, and then then we'll end for the day. Okay. So hi, everybody. It was nice to, to speak with you all. Hope that was helpful. Hey Amy, thank Bye. you. You're thank you. you're welcome. Thanks for sharing all your great information. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you. Bye everybody. Bye bye. Have a great week. Thank you, Amy. Oh, you're welcome.